Evening, friends. Uh, my name is Jared. I have the privilege and honor of serving as the executive pastor and lead executive director and lead pastor. We'll get the title straight here in a second. Of uh, this family of churches called the Sacred Grace, uh, and it's really lovely to be both in the room and online with people tonight, um, or maybe watching later this week. Uh, we come to the end of the season of Eastertide, uh, depending on what your experience or exposure is to this season of celebrating uh, for 50 days of the resurrection. And what we've done is we've uh, looked at these encounters and experiences and conversations with Jesus uh, that happened after the resurrection. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, this final interchange between Jesus and one of his friends named Peter. And it's in John chapter 21, verse 15. And it says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, here's my question to begin tonight. Who would you ask this question to? Who do you ask, do you love me? All right, so if, if there's somebody that comes to mind, I mean, maybe it was like in middle school, like you like wrote like a piece of paper and it said, do you love me? Check yes or no. And if you were like me, maybe that wasn't like middle school. Could have been high school. Could have been last month, actually, that you were trying to figure out your relationship with somebody. But who would you ask, do you love me? All right. So that's an awkward question. Now, here's a question. Have you ever asked anybody twice? Like, Nate, do you love me? And Nate's like, yes, Jared, I love you. I was like, Nate, do you love me? And this is where it gets awkward, right? Because Nate's like, I just said it, but yes, Jared, I love you. But it's the third time that that's like the ice breaker or ice melter or whatever that it is that's like completely out of control. Nate, do you love me? And at this point, what are you thinking? Jared's really insecure about our relationship, right? Like any other time that you would have read this conversation, there is only one conclusion that you can have about this interchange. And it's this, that the person asking the question is ridiculously insecure about the nature of the relationship. And so I have been reading and teaching this text for decades. And it wasn't until this year that I recognized how uncomfortable this conversation actually was. Right? Sometimes we can be around scripture and text so long that we forget how like ridiculously awkward this conversation would have been. And who one of us would ever have this kind of a conversation with somebody? And so then I had asked the question, was Jesus insecure about his relationship with Peter? Was, was Jesus like, like kind of wound up? Like, oh gosh, I wonder if Peter really likes me. No. The question in the conversation was not for Jesus' benefit. The question in the conversation was for Peter's benefit. It was to reassure Peter that he still belonged, that he was still loved, and that he was still being invited to lead. And we have all been Peter at one point or another. Peter is this disciple who's known as talking a big game. He actually says, even if everybody else falls away, I'm there till the end. 
And this literary device that, that John is using about um, Jesus asking him three different times, in some ways, we, we think it, it reflects back to the three different times that Peter has denied Jesus around a fire to an adolescent girl. And, and so there's this beautiful picture that the conversation is not about Jesus's insecurity in the relationship. The conversation and the questions are all about reassuring Peter and I think what we're finding here is, um, as I was trying to find like a, a literary kind of metaphor, the, the closest thing I came to is a magnet. That love is the magnet that's pulling Peter back close to Jesus. There, there's this, this feeling that's going on between Peter and Jesus that, that Peter is being drawn towards Jesus's love for him. Love is this invisible and this sacred power that God's love expressed in the person of Jesus is pulling him close and, and so then I began to ask myself as I was looking at this text, when was the last time that I felt like this pull towards Jesus? When was the last time that I had a moment where it felt like Jesus was, is inviting me back into a relationship with him? And, as I, and I thought about that. It's not just like when have I felt like that God was pulling me back close, but maybe the first time. Like I remember being as a little kid hearing about the love of Jesus for me. And, and, and feeling something that I couldn't explain, but wanting to respond in some way. And maybe this is the first time tonight that you hear that that feeling that you have is actually this force, this invisible force about God who's drawing you close to him because of his love. And what would it look like for you to respond? Because I would offer this is the most important conversation that you could have with the person you're sitting next to or the person that you came with tonight or some friend that you have in this faith community. The most important conversation you could have is like, what do you do with this, this invisible force, this magnet that's pulling you close to Jesus? So, so Peter and Jesus have this interchange where Jesus is asking this question, right? But then Jesus responds with some instructions. And his restrictions about how to respond to this magnetic force of love that's pulling him close is a really interesting conversation that Jesus picks. Right, so historically, we think that um, we know that Jesus was the son of a carpenter, and so most likely he took on his father's trade historically, um, but probably working as much with stone as with wood. And then we know like Peter's occupation is a fisherman. So you have a carpenter and a fisherman, and then Jesus decides to talk about being a shepherd, which is basically like we're going to have a conversation that's not my home base and that's not your home base, but let's talk about this other thing. But this other thing that Jesus decides to talk about, this is not the first time that Jesus has talked about sheep. It's not the first time that Peter has heard this idea of Jesus being a shepherd. It's actually in John chapter 10, Jesus is recorded of saying like, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd will lay his life down for his sheep. Which Peter has to hear that very differently after the crucifixion and the resurrection. When Jesus starts talking about being a good shepherd and being the shepherd and inviting Peter to, to be a shepherd, that has to ring a little bit different after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Now, I don't know how much you know about sheep. Um, I don't know a whole lot, but I have some family friends that for the last couple of years, they have taken their family vacation in England uh, to a farm, and the farm happens to be a sheep farm. And uh, we have been like just the beneficiaries of their stories about the sheep farm. And so the family tells me the story about this farm that they go to in England, and they explain that there's basically two ways to shepherd sheep. 
uh, we're going to call this the dog method and the sheep method, right? So the dog method, um, you can kind of make a picture of like how a sheep dog works with sheep. Uh, they kind of like use a little bit of like um, positive reinforcement to get the sheep to move in the right direction. Otherwise known as like they bite at the heel, they kind of yip at them and they kind of bark at them. And then, you know, the sheep are a little afraid by the sheep dog. And so they kind of move by force which, you know, most of us understand and like think like sheep aren't the most intelligent creatures on the planet, so it's not a big deal to use a little bit of force to move dumb animals in a certain direction. There is another way to move sheep, though, that we found out from our family friends, and that is this. This farmer in England took a little baby sheep, which we call a lamb, and brought it into its home. The little sheep's name was Wooly, and Wooly was raised inside the farmer's home. And inside the farmer's home, uh, Wooly was fed, and Wooly was cared for, and Wooly came to know the farmer's voice, uh, and Wooly trusted the farmer completely. And then when, when Wooly was fully grown, Wooly is introduced back into the flock, and now the way that the shepherd moves the sheep is he just says, Wooly, let's go. And guess what? Wooly follows the voice of the farmer because he trusts the farmer. He knows the farmer loves him. And guess what all the sheep do? They follow Wooly because they're not intelligent creatures. They just need somebody to follow. And it actually works out better for them, right? They don't have a dog napping at their, at their hindquarters. Well, there was another word there, but I think that's the right term, right? Um, and, and it's a really beautiful picture. And I think the most beautiful picture about this whole thing is it's like, this is what Jesus is asking Peter to do. When he says, like, shepherd my sheep, he's not actually saying, like, use force to get stubborn people to move towards me. I think what he's saying is, trust me, respond to my love, and other people will follow your example. See, love is not only the magnet that pulls us close to Jesus, but love is the motive Love is that which moves us towards caring for others and loving others. The word that I had missed most as I read this text over the last couple of years was the little word in the middle that Jesus says. He says, shepherd my sheep. To be clear, we don't love people because they're lovable. We love people because they're God's daughters and sons. One of the habits of pastors is that we read other sermons. It's like a hobby. Maybe it's a really boring hobby. But nonetheless, when any time that I'm preparing a sermon, I go back and like read sermons of other people who have done this text. And I stumbled upon a sermon given by a guy named Charles Spurgeon, who was a British pastor in the 1800s. And he has this great quote. And he says, I have had the high pleasure of loving some of the most objectionable people till they loved me. This has also been the experience of all who have tried the sacred power of love. My brethren, which I think we should start saying more often, but then you'd say my sisterin, and then that gets really complicated. Anyway, my brethren, learn the art of loving men to Christ. I've had the high pleasure of loving some of the most objectionable people till they loved me. This has been the experience of all who have tried the sacred power of love. My brethren, learn the art of loving men to Christ. Here's Jared's uh, rendition of this text. The best way to lead people to Jesus is to love people to Jesus. Somewhere along the line, we heard or got confused about that our responsibility is to like coerce 
and force and convince people to believe what we believe. And I think the absolute best way to lead people to Jesus, to introduce them to this magnetic love of God for them, is to love people to them. I went to lunch today with a friend who I have found annoying for the better part of two decades. And as I was preparing this talk tonight and sitting at lunch with him, being reminded of how annoying he is, I also was reminded of he has been loyal in his love to me for two decades. And I don't have like a lot of friends that have spanned 20 years. And what I came to recognize is the reason that I love him is because he has just loved me loyally into like, you know, I'm the objectionable person that eventually his love has worn me down. I mean, think about the people that are really faithful and loyal in their love in your life. My guess is like the people that you are most drawn to are not the people that you share the most in common with, but it's the people who have been the most faithful in their love to you. And the the people who follow the way of Jesus that love you are the people who most inspire you to want to follow them and follow Jesus because of them. Currently, I'm in the process of working on our annual report. Uh, We tell stories about how we, as a community, as a family of churches, are, are moving up towards God, in towards ourselves and each other's, and out towards our neighbors and our neighborhood. And and the story that I was working on this week is the story of Trevor and Nikki Joe, two incredible people that moved into a neighborhood at the beginning of 2020, right before neighbors stopped kind of talking to each other, or at least talking to each other through glass doors and masks and all the awkwardness of moving into a new neighborhood right before the pandemic. And it's a beautiful story about two people who began to love their neighbors in really simple ways, and then over the last year have had the opportunity to love their neighbors in really profound ways. And the story culminates with one of the neighbors um, telling another neighbor about the church that Nikki, Joe, and Trevor go to, and this neighbor, who is somewhat objectionable about going to church, says, well, well maybe I could go with you at Easter. And although she's from a Mennonite tradition, which we'll just say is is a bit more conservative, uh, she shows up to Gothic Theater's parking lot on Easter Sunday, and her comment back to Nikki, Joe, and Trevor is, wow, you really love those people, and they love you. See, love is the magnet that draws us close to God. And love is the motive in which we are able to love other people and bring them close to Jesus. In the annual report, we're we're working through like our vision and our mission and our values. And and our vision says this, we are a family of choices. We are a family of churches joining God in leading the spiritual and social renewal of our neighborhoods. Said another way, we are a family of (laughs) choice. It's a good thing that we write the annual report rather than have it as a podcast. Uh, We are a family of churches joining God in shepherding the sheep of our neighborhoods. What would it look like for you and for me to just respond to that force of God drawing us close to him? What would it look like for us to to step back and and consider the best way that we could lead anybody to Jesus is to simply love people to Jesus? These stories after the resurrection of Jesus are, are really fascinating. They're conversations 
that are incredibly intimate, and all of them feel like this invisible force of love that, that Jesus is pulling people back close to him. And we're always invited to hear these words every time that we come around this Eastertide season of the invitation to love, to respond to love, and to love others. And so my question for you is, have you had that moment lately where you felt this invisible pull of God to respond to his love? Maybe you're a kid in the room, or maybe you're a kid listening online with your family, and that would be a conversation that you would want to have with your parent, or maybe you're here with a friend, or you're listening online, or you're listening later with a friend. It is the most, converse, the most important conversation that you could have, is what does it look like to respond to that love that's drawing you close? And then the second question, or where are the opportunities for you to shepherd sheep, not out of force, but out of love? Let me leave you with this prayer practice to consider for this week. Uh, over the last seven days, I went back to this very awkward conversation with Jesus and decided what would it look like to participate in it? And so for three minutes a day for the last seven days, I did this. I sat and I imagined hearing Jesus say, do you love me? And then I sat for 30 seconds and like reflected on that question before I moved on. And then I heard Jesus say, kind of in my imagination, feed my sheep or shepherd my sheep. And then I just gave myself 30 seconds to consider, how could I do that today? And then this is where it got awkward. I did it a second time, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and then I did it a third time. There's something to repetition. There's something to listening to this question of Jesus, do you love me? And asking, like, how would my heart respond? And I'll just tell you, like, my heart responded the first several go-rounds. Do you love me? Well, yes, Jesus. You know that I love you. And then the second version was like, Jared, do you love me? And I was like, I'm not good at loving anyone, you or others. And then the third one was, Jared, do you love me? And I was like, man, man, Jesus, God. <laughs> I really want to. And I actually think that you know my heart better than I know my own. And so my invitation is to consider maybe it's one day this next week, maybe it's all seven days. But have this conversation. It's not for Jesus' benefit. It's for yours. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for a time and a place uh, to be reminded of your love for us Thank you for uh, the invitation, not only to respond uh, to this invisible force of love, but also uh, to the invitation to, to lead others to you by loving them well. Thank you for this community, for TNL, and all the ways that it has loved me, I loved my family, and I ask God that, that you would continue to make us a community uh, that loves people well, loves our neighbors well, and leads them to you. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.